Coming up on this episode, we kick off the new year with authors Anna Zabo and L.A. Witt. Welcome to episode 411 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of queer romance fiction. I'm Jeff, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, it's Will. Hello, Rainbow Romance Reader. We are so glad that you could join us for another episode of the show. And we hope that your 2023 got off to an amazing start. Me, I'm still a little bit discombobulated. For some reason, this year, more than ever before, the weird dead week between Christmas and New Year's messed with my head so bad, I did not know what day it was, what time it was. I couldn't figure anything out, which is really weird because I happen to have a calendar fetish. There are, like, so many calendars up in our home, you would think I'd be able to figure out what day it was, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't help the fact. I mean, I had a week where I was off on Monday from the holiday itself. I took Friday off (laughs) because I was taking a long weekend, so I kind of worked three days in the middle, but who knows what day it is? I mean, yeah. How many calendars do you think we have for 2023 in the house? You have such a calendar fetish, folks. You have no idea. This year, we actually bought more than usual. And personally, I don't know where they're all going to go. Do you have a count by chance? I put you on the spot here. I don't need to count because you can never have enough. It's kind of like books. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a pretty calendar, we kind of want to have it. So before we get into this week's author interview, we wanted to let you know about a change in the podcast schedule. Beginning now, the show will be moving to a bi-weekly schedule, meaning every other week. You see, we've religiously maintained a weekly schedule ever since the podcast started all the way back in 2015. And last year, after more than 400 episodes, we took our very first extended break, giving us some time to reflect on the show and think about where we'd like it to go in the future. First off, we want to assure you, don't worry, the show isn't going anywhere. But we really felt that after all this time, we needed to lighten the workload behind the scenes. We personally wanted some more space to do other things. Fewer episodes to produce means more time for those things. So, let's talk about the new schedule. The format of the show itself is remaining the same. The same book reviews and author interviews that you love, just a little less frequent. For instance, let's take a look at the month of January. Because of the way the days fall on the calendar, there would have been five weekly episodes this month. Under the new schedule, there will be three. A new episode every other Monday. New episodes will drop into your podcast feed the same way they always have. Now is a great time to remind you that if you haven't followed or subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast platform, now is the perfect time to do it. When you subscribe or follow, you're assured never to miss a new episode of the show. So, the quick and dirty recap is, same show, but it's every other week. Now, Jeff, over to you. Before we get to the interview, one last thing. If you heard last week's episode, you know that Will discovered monster fucking for the end of his 2022 reading. Well, to, be, to clarify, I didn't discover it. Well, you discovered it for your own reading purposes. I extended my exploration. Let's say that. (laughs) Okay. That's a better way to put it. So, you know, we had a little discussion about it. I was like, where did this come from? How did you read it? And basically, he persuaded me to read it because of the excellent review and enthusiastic (laughs) review that he gave. I was like, dude, you have to read this book. Exactly. And I have over the last week of the year. And oh, my God, it was so good. I mean, you know, he's always on point with his reviews anyway, but I wasn't really sure that I would, I don't read a lot of paranormal anyway, and I wasn't sure I would go exactly towards monster fucking like he did, but Ollie and Christopher, oh goodness, this book, while it takes place at the Christmas holiday, it's not filled with all kinds of Christmas cheer, so this could definitely extend and be like a winter reading book, because it is certainly frigid between Antarctica and, you know, cold Michigan. Give it a read, folks. They're such an amazing couple. I know this is the beginning of a series for L. Evelyn, and I think I may have to come back and check out the other ones, too, because the setup for book two, the people that she mentioned in the author's note at the end, is like, yeah, I kind of maybe want to see what's up with them, too. So thank you for turning me on to that book and hopefully turning some of our <laughs> listeners on to that book as well. Trust me, you are going to get turned on by Kissed by the Krampus. So anyway, now really on to our interview here. 
Y'all know, and maybe too much by now, that I loved Rookie Mistake from L.A. Witt and Anna Zabo. And I was so thrilled to talk to them about it. How they came to collaborate on such a great story, which includes inspiration from Pittsburgh Penguins hockey games and a lot of discussion that actually happened at those games. We also get some details about Scoreless Game, which is the sequel that is coming up this spring. Anna and Lori, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited that we get to kick off 2023 with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And even more so, we get to talk about one of my favorite books of 2022, Rookie Mistake. Oh, loved it and can't wait to talk all about it. But really, before we get into the book, I'm curious, what led to you two collaborating? What is the origin story behind that? Well, we we had tried to collaborate, I think it was back in like 2014, but it was just yeah. the wrong time, the wrong book. It just didn't, it just kind of fell away. But then the way this one got started was I moved to Pittsburgh at the end of 2021 and we started going to hockey games and I got an idea for a hockey book and I mentioned it to Anne and Anne kept feeding the plot bunny. Oh, you should do this. Maybe like, you should do that. Maybe Yeah. You and I this. was literally walking back to my car after a hockey game and Anne texted me, you know, maybe your character is dot, dot, dot. And I stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. My husband's like, what? I just, Hold on. I got to text Anne. And I wrote, I was like, do you want to write this with me? And they were like, yeah, I think I do. And that's yeah. how it got started. It it I really was that. as simple as that. And then I wrote a chapter and sent it to Anne and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. And then it was just, you know, the, the, it was, we were on, you know, it started going, you know, it yeah. was just. We kind of talked about, you know, the characters' backgrounds and all that and where we thought it might be going and some scene ideas that we had. But for the most part, we kind of just ran with it, you know, whatever, built off each other's chapters. And because we were going to hockey games and and seeing each other pretty frequently, because now that we live in the same city, we talk about it quite a bit and just, yeah, just ran with it. But also going to the hockey games and just and and going up to practices and things like that. Training camp and training camp. Yeah, going to training camp. It was there was a lot of inspiration, I think, just seeing the players and how they interacted on the ice, especially at training camp and uh, practices where they're, you know, they're sort of loose and relaxed and they're really just kind of, I mean, they're having fun, you know, you can yeah. I mean, they're working out there, but you can also tell they really just enjoy what they do. And they're screwing off and chirping and, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're obviously being little boys out there and it's, you see a little more of the, the team dynamic, you know, just the guys out there. And we also, we went to a couple of away games last season. We went to one where we deliberately got tickets behind the be- the bench in Columbus. And then we went to one in Detroit And a lot of that was just to see, you know, different, you know, part of it was just we wanted to, but also see what it actually looks like on the bench, you know. So we're like looking over their shoulders through the whole, the whole game. And so we were kind of researching it as we went, just being immersed in hockey and hockey culture. How much got really kind of talked about at games? Because I could imagine, you know, something happened to you, you could turn to one another and go, what if so-and-so did that? You know, that thing just happened. Well, a lot of times we'd be sitting separately because at the time we didn't have our season tickets. So my husband and I would just sit anywhere in the arena and I would, I would text and be like, mm, this could be fun. Or, you know, they would text me and be like, I could totally see Isaac doing X, Y, and Z or things yeah. like that. So there would be some of that going on while during the game. Yeah. Or, or there was, I think there was one play that ended up actually in the book i think it's it was the somebody went into the penalty box and they had to like toward the end of the game in and it was tied game and they ended up in the penalty box and they had to pull the goalie that um, was actually the very the opening scene when i when isaac is in the locker room going oh my god i hope julian doesn't see me that that was it was actually chris letang that went to the box and that had that had gotten we were kind of chatting about that and that was when ann had texted me and said you know it would be really funny if your characters if this happened and that's when i was yeah. like do you want to write yeah. this with me yeah and so that ended up being the it kicked off the book and us writing together and the opening scene so yeah yeah so that that was based a little bit on an actual thing that happened yeah it was horrible for the penguins but it was great for rookie mistakes so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's hilarious that you gave it to the rookie because Latang is just not a rookie. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. But it, it just worked better for that because I was writing Isaac and he was yeah. the rookie. So this is a great moment to ask the question we've got from our a member of our Patreon community. So mm-hmm. Tessa lives in Pittsburgh and is a Penguin season ticket holder also. 
So she loves all the Pittsburgh references and the hockey. And she knows, of course, that the characters in Rookie Mistake, 100% fictional, but couldn't help, as she says, noticing a parallel between Elias, Nisha, and Julian with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Is this intentional, subconscious, or is it completely in Tessa's head? Or somewhere in between. <laughs> it wasn't based, like we weren't saying we're going to base them off these, but that was that's the dynamic that we see all the time. And like Anna and I were talking earlier, you see that a lot in on NHL teams. There's pairs and trios that kind of have that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, there are, certainly with Julian, there are some callbacks to Latang, you know, the French-Canadian. I mean, it's obviously not Latang because Latang doesn't have the same background. Yeah. But so there, but there are little things like having the nickname King. There's, you know, if you ever see Latang's gloves, they actually say legend on them because of Malkin. So there are like tiny little callbacks there. But it was so, but that was really the only sort of specific thing because Nisha. Those three and, characters really developed on, they, they took yeah. on lives of their own. Yeah. Yeah. But Nisha and Elias were just names on a page that, started out as names on a page that uh, Lori had written, you know, the, 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 um, I'm friends with these superstars on this team. And I was like, well, that's one's going to be the captain. And the other's going to be the alternate. And it just happened that I picked Elias to be the captain and Anisha to be the alternate. And also I think there's, it's funny. Cause there's a, there's a meme that went around a little bit that had like, you know, pictures like a hockey team and the pictures people on the roster and the NHL roster. And it was things like, you know, loudest man in the world. And, you know, the player we don't mention is a duck, was a duck. And, you know, they have the, you know, things like, you know, one of two best friends and, you know, TikTok boy and things like that. So you can pick your, what character. It's like stereotypes one, from one. Yeah. Stere- you know, basically stereotypes. And one of them was lovable Russian. Like it, every NHL team, it seems, has a lovable Russian. And so, you know, Gino is the lovable Russian on the on the Penguins, and Nisha happens to be the lovable Russian on the uh, the Griffins. Yeah. But his, that's that's kind of where the the similarity between the two of them yeah. stops because yeah. Nisha's his own. Nisha, Nisha really took on a life of his own, so, and and yeah. so did Elias. Yeah. So. And and it's funny because I actually got asked by somebody, compl- and I think people see see their own teams in those d- dynamics because I actually got asked by somebody else if I based if we based Nisha and Elias off of Ovi and Backstrom, mm. which we did not. So, yeah, <laughs> but you have the Russian and the Swede. So, you know, and we moved forward a little bit. There's there's going to be some people who are like, what are they talking about? So tell us about what Rookie Mistake is about. So everybody can kind of connect that together if they haven't heard me gush about the book previously. I mean, the short version is a, a rookie forward who has a major crush on a veteran defenseman, and it turns out that goes both ways, or starts to go both ways. They they get together, but Julian has a really painful past from dating someone when he was a rookie, and that kind of comes full circle in this book. So, Yeah, and it, that's the, the heart of the story, and then you just have the, the, the surrounding team, and Julian is one of the alternate captains on the team. And the other alternate is Nikolai Sidorov. And then you have Elias Carlson, who's the team captain. And they've all sort of been friends for a long time. So, and then it's just, it's really the sort of this unfolding, this this unfolding of the relationship between Isaac and actually the building of the relationship between Isaac and Julian, because they actually get together really fast. And I know some people yeah. are like, oh my gosh, they've gotten together and there's still all this book left. And the, the rest of the book is really about them finding their footing and developing an honest to God relationship after deciding they want to date. And then sort of, this slowly creeping horror of what happened to Julian sort of being slowly bits yeah. and pieces falling into creeping place. in from the past and yeah getting that feeling of you know this is going to come up at some point you just don't know how and 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 then how how the what happens when it does come up and and the relationships between all the characters and how that affects them as well and sort of the support system Julian has. How did you decide on the trajectory of the romance? There were so many ways it could go with the rookie and the veteran and the crush, but then to we, add all of this other stuff into it too. I think <clears throat> as far as the relationship went, we knew right off the bat, we, you know, we wanted to have, there was going to be a power dynamic 
because of the age, because the experience. And so that was part of the reason why, I mean, Isaac, I don't think I could have made him a submissive if I wanted to. He, as soon as we started writing the dynamic between him and Julian, it was like, Julian's obviously a submissive to us. And, and Isaac had that kind of Dom feel to him or like he could be a Dom if, if somebody taught him how, and it kind of just developed on its own from there. Like, like mm -hmm. we didn't really, we, we, the only things we really planned with the book was how things were going to blow up, you know, how the past was going to come. But as far as the relationship, we kind of just let it happen. Just saw where it was going to go. And we had some ideas of things that were going to happen, but it was mostly let's just see how it develops. And because yeah. we wanted it to feel organic because it really was. Yeah. And I think we, the one thing we, we wanted to make sure was that the, the blow up or the, you know, the dark moment was not one of those, well, you should have told me about this in the one character right. getting mad about to, at the other character because they didn't tell them about the, the you know, that we didn't want it to be like this massive, well, we're not going to date anymore because this thing happened. Yeah, um, something bad we, happened to you and you didn't tell me about it, so I'm not going to date you. It just didn't. Yeah, we, th th that kind of seems, you know, that's, I mean, it's been, well, one, it's been done a lot, but two, it always seems kind of like it cheapens the relationship a bit. You know, yeah. I don't know if that's how... You know, it's not how I would react if I found something out. I would want to be there and be supportive, not angry, you know? So, yeah, kind of the understanding that if somebody's been through something horrible, the, the reaction of how dare you not tell me has never sat right with me because what if I'm just not ready to tell anybody? What if I'm not ready to think about it? What if I'm not ready to to even put it into words? And it's it's the 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 how dare you not tell me is making it about them instead of making it about the victim. Yeah. And I don't like that dynamic at all. And neither did Anne. So we, we really were avoiding that. And Isaac and, didn't feel like the kind of person who would, would make that about him and take it personally. His, yeah. his reaction is to be, I want to make sure that Julian's okay. You know, yeah. he's horrified to hear about this, but not because it was something that was kept from him, but you know, he cares about Julian. And he wants Julian to be okay. The thing I really liked about Isaac in that scenario is it showed he was kind of wise beyond his years. I mean, he's often, he's ribbed by the team because of his age quite yeah. a lot, especially in the early run of the book. And sometimes he proves himself to be the very kid that they're ribbing him to be. But in yeah. some cases, especially how he handles Julian, is just extraordinary and i wish more more young adults could be that way <laughs> how they deal with the I, world but i think a lot I thought of it really are. conveyed well for him the thing is i think a lot of a lot of young people are they're not really given a lot of credit for it but they're they're kind of encouraged not to be like the way isaac react reacted to julian you know i i was watching a, a tv show that my husband and i watch all the time last night and i was pissed off because half the conflict result revolved around three people just overreacting to everything, making it about them, not communicating with each other. And I was like, this is so just contrived. Real people don't behave this way or they shouldn't. And I feel like, you know, Isaac, maybe he is a little bit wise beyond his years, but he's, he tends to think about things before he reacts, which probably comes from being a hockey player and having to kind of analyze everything. And it just, it's just not the way he does things. Yeah, you hit it right on the head there, too, because you give us Isaac's thoughts as he's like, how do I deal with this? What am I going to do? And that back and forth, like his options. And I love yeah. that you dug that deep in to the characters, really both him and Julian, to give us that, you know, that level of detail. Yeah, because they, they, they do both. They both overthink things and they underthink things. Mm -hmm. But, you know... I, I just think we we just tried to write them as true to them as as they could be as we could yeah and be respectful to to the characters yes yeah. I think sometimes as a writer you have to also be respectful to your own characters you yeah. know and not not push them to do things that they wouldn't do just for the sake of conflict yeah just for yeah exactly and I think it also comes down to I think one thing that Anne and I both agree on with our books is neither one of us really cares for toxic relationships whether that you know as obviously there's going to be toxic relationships in stories but as far as romanticizing a toxic relationship and having you know this that kind of dynamic that we don't find it 
romantic or attractive. And so personally, I prefer my characters to have healthy relationships. That's why I kind of joke that, you know, you're in one of my books or if you're most like, if you're not in therapy now, you will be by the end, you know, because it, it just feels, I, I like my characters to be in touch with their feelings and to think about things and to not be toxic with each other, you know, talk. And when you make mistakes, or you have issues, you know, actually learn how to handle things. Yeah. And then we go on to write a book with two characters who absolutely need to learn to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those boys. Oh, God. Yeah. Elias and Nisha. They're a mess. <laughs> That's clear even from Rookie Mistake that there's something yeah. going on there. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, and a lot of people asked us, you know, are they going to get their own book? And we knew halfway through Rookie Mistake they were going to get their own book. Mm-hmm. But when we started with Scoreless Game, a, a lot of the thing was that they had had this dynamic with Julian for all these years that was just sort of the, you know, the status quo. And then Isaac came in and threw the balance off. And suddenly they're having to think about things and deal with things and dynamics are changing and they're not handling that very well. No, yeah, there's and actually they, they there's don't actually, handle it as well as Isaac and Julian did. No, there's there's actually a scene I think where Elias is because it's from Elias's point of view where um, he's talking to Julian and Julian's like, look, you know, with the, the whole thing with with Julian and Isaac stirred up the the water in the pond, you know, and every all the muck is everything's rising to the surface, so all the 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 stuff that was hidden is all coming up. And that's sort of that's sort of a lot about what scoreless game is about is all the the everything's been disrupted. So now they have to deal with everything that's that's sort of floating to the surface. And and also Elias has this sudden realization that I think he's he's 30 in rookie mistake. He's yeah. about to turn 31 in scoreless game. And he's like, and he's he's on the, I think his contract is up the next season. So he's getting close to free agency and he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh, everything's changing. Change. And- Everything is changing. Am I even going to be here in next year in two years? Cause I'm, you know, am I trade fodder? Julian's just settled down and I have, I have no one, you know, what's going to happen. You know, I, I love the life I have here. And so he gets, he gets up in his head about, future about planning for the future because he's a very he he likes to plan for things and nisha hears that and thinks elias wants to leave i'm gonna lose elias and now i've i've lost julian and elias he does not handle that very well yeah oh those guys yeah yeah we we there there were a lot of texts back and forth while we were writing this of oh my god these boys yeah you know for 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 people who actually speak two diff- two common languages to each other you know because it's they 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 speak both english and russian with each other that they suck they, at communicating yeah they they really suck at actually talking about stuff so and and as Anne Ann and i were talking earlier and they pointed out the guys made a lot of assumptions about each other over the years and that has really put their dynamic in a in a situation where you know elias is assuming Nisha isn't interested in him and Nisha is assuming the same and they're both very, very wrong. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the progression of the book is a little different because it's a lot different. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot different than your, your average romance because you expect, you know, your first act you get together is like the meet cute you get together. The second act is you're building up to the dark moment. And the third act is like what at, after the dark moment kind of, kind of thing and the dark moment in this book happens in the first act about 30 20 or 30 percent in i think yep yeah and And then then it's the fallout and yeah so this really deals with more of putting back together a friendship and building a relationship after and it, after. it, it gets pretty messy in the beginning because because mistakes are made yeah <laughs> as you would expect yeah You've shared on social that you're done writing Scoreless Game and it's in edits. Do it's you with have our editor right now. Yeah. any projection on when we might get to have we're it in our hands? Thinking, we're thinking March. It's just, it depends on what our editor says and then schedules from there. But March is our thought right now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That seems to be about when it, you know, unless there's like really, really heavy edits, like we have to rewrite half the book or something, which I don't think is going to happen that I think that 
it, it'll take a little bit to get through the edits, but then, and then the, the, you know, doing like proofing and copy editing and things like that will take a little bit. But it and we've be. also both got, I mean, I've got other releases between now and then. So yeah, so and we, yeah, we have to work. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything coming out right now, but we need to fit it into Lori's schedule. And I don't want to put it, it's not a Valentine's book, so I don't want to put it near Valentine's Day, you know. And I have a book coming yeah. out on Valentine's Day, yeah. so. So, so yeah, it's, it's, so we're, but, but March seems like a good. And then yeah. book three this- will be along when we, we're kind of taking a break because Anne wanted to work on some of their solo stuff and I need to work on some of my solo stuff. But yeah, <laughs> book three is, is making noise, so. Yeah, and I, I also nice. need to figure out how to get in the head of the one character that's, that I will be writing, so. Who you will meet in Scoreless Game. Yeah. And Scoreless Game is going to be long, too. We know. Rookie Mistake was 500-some pages in paperback, 16 hours of audio, and apparently Scoreless Game is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, it kind of got... I don't want to say it got away from us, because I don't think it did. No, I think we just had a a lot of ground to cover. A lot to cover, yeah. Because we had Um, to deal with the... Things blowing up between the two of them, fixing all of that. There's some kind of outside issues that become a thing later on. Plus, it some people picked up in book one that Nisha's got a bit of a drinking problem, and that becomes a, a core issue. And and then you know once we do finally get them together, we want to show them together a little bit. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happening, and a lot of threads that we need to tie up by the end. So. It, yeah. it it wasn't that it got away from us. It just had to be that long in order to yeah. actually tell the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ended up being, you know, <laughs> rookie mistake. They get together very fast and it's a, it's a you know, it, it's kind of heavy on the sex. Scoreless game, they don't get together very fast. It's a very yeah, I, slow burn. I think this burn. is the slowest burn I've ever been a part of. Yeah, it's it, a like, slow burn. Yeah, the, the, the distance from the beginning of the book to the first kiss is the longest of any book I've ever touched. Yep. It's but it's as long they, as it needed to be. They work for it. And they, you know, they they yeah. certainly earn earn their happy ever after yeah. quite a bit. And you get what? to meet some more characters, some new people on the team. Because there's and always some of the old the team. And some of the old people and you know, and you get to see more what? of uh Isaac and Julian. Yeah, okay. Isaac and Julian are there. Obviously, we've got, you know, Paxi, and I love Paxi, so of course he has to be there. Yeah, Paxi and Ozzy. And we get to see a little bit more of Paxi's family life a little bit. So it, there's it's... a little less a little less hockey in this one, too, as far as on-page games, because a, a good chunk of the book happens either during the off-season or while Misha's unable to play. So yeah. there's, there is hockey on page, but not as much as in the first book. The first act is basically leads leads up to right up to opening opening night night, essentially so there's stuff that goes on beforehand and it's a lot of things i mean julian's birthday happens there so they have a small they have a small birthday party and then a larger birthday party for julian so there's there's stuff going on on there but then the opening night of course is their their banner raising for the 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 cup they won so and a lot of things bad things happen right around there it's, it's, Why are it's you giving them grief during over the banner raising time? They need to celebrate that before. Yeah, we, we were kind of mean to them. <laughs> we were very mean nice. a lot. <laughs> yeah, this is very. Yeah, we were. We were. Yeah, when you when you read it, yeah, buckle up. Buckle, yeah, buckle up. Is <laughs> it right? Yeah. So there, but you know they they. I mean, I actually really fell in love with Elias as a character. Somebody recently said who, you know, who are the, who's, you know, no one says the writers don't say they have a favorite character, but every character, every writer has a favorite character. And, you know, said, who's your favorite character? And for the longest time, it was Eli from Just Business. But I think Elias may have elbowed him out of the way as my favorite character that I've written, just because I just, I love the way he thinks i love the way he looks at life and sort of the the quirks it's a really different has. character i really i really like him yeah yeah i just enjoy him as a character he's he's and i really enjoyed nisha he nisha was really hard to write just because a lot of what's going on in his head is just kind of heart-wrenching because when you really get into his head you start seeing that there's a lot going on that you know the the goofy russian who's always telling complete bullshit stories is hiding a lot like there, there's a lot behind the the goofy stories and 
that was hard to write, but I loved, I loved him. What does the writing and plotting process look like for you both? Obviously there was a lot of talking at games and texting across the arena at games, but then when it came down to writing it, how did that kind of work itself out? Was it kind of plotted, sort of plotted? more organic we, seems like it was more organic as it kind of went from what you've said so far fairly organic but like like i would when i started with rookie mistake i wrote my first chapter sent it to Anne, and we kind of the first couple chapters were us sort of getting a feel for the characters and then we would talk about okay i'm gonna get them to whatever game i'm gonna have them do this and we, we would talk a little bit about it but sometimes the scenes would just sort of you know take on a life of their own or i would like it, certain scenes would be like we need to have this scene but it definitely needs to be in julian's pov or it needs to be in isaac's pov or in some cases like like when they when they told the team that they were together i really wanted to write that scene because i had mm-hmm. an idea in my head for it and so we kind of just worked it out so that when it came time to write that scene it was my turn yeah and that was you know it was like okay we're gonna have them at, oh you know tell the team at thanksgiving and that Lori Lori's gonna take that part you yeah. know like there would be a scene where like like the, the scene in, in Las Vegas with a scene where they actually come out, come out. I had that in my head really early on. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead and write it. But if it doesn't work or if it, if, if when we get to it, we want to go a different direction, then we'll just bin it. it. It ended up working, but I would jump ahead and just write something just to get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. And then we would just see how it fit when we got there. Yeah. And and we certainly knew that like the scene where Julian tells Isaac and and Nisha and Elias what actually happened had to be from his point of view. Yeah. So, you know, but that the scene uh, before that, we needed to have some from from Isaac. So I had the scene before that to get his reaction a little bit and then the scene immediately after. So we were trying to balance the the emotions, but also make sure that, you know, we got to be in Julian's head for that. What was it like to put Julian's disclosure scene together? Because that was some of the most raw emotional material that I can remember reading in a book in quite some time. I come back to the word organic, and it was almost a, a monologue like of just him just pouring this out. How did that kind of come together and to find the balance that was right without tipping over, you know, there's so many ways that that could have gone wrong at the same time. That was probably the hardest scene of a book that I've written, I think, hands down, because there was so much that I had to be careful about, you know, because you don't, you know, you're dealing with a very heavy topic. You're dealing with, you know, this, this abuse that happened when he was, he wasn't quite a child, but he was, you know, he was 19 years old and he was, you know, first time really away from family. I mean, he was in the, he had been away from family, but, you know, away from any support structure kind of on his own, on his own. And, and then him remembering this and trying to tell it to his friends and, and relive it in a lot of ways. It was, it was hard, but also not trying to traumatize the readers too because you don't you want you want to make it obvious what happened but you don't want to it's not a horror novel you know right it's not a horror novel but it's also the situation is horrible and it's horrifying but you don't want to you, you want it to be close but not so close that it feels wrong to the reader like that they're they're like that it gets gratuitous there comes a yeah, point that's where it. It you don't want it to be gratuitous and... that's the word i was looking for you don't you know so it was sort of being able to show enough that the reader could infer happened without laying it all on scene because you don't actually need to see that you don't need to actually see the assault itself you know, and I didn't want to do that to myself. I didn't want to do it to the readers. You know, I didn't want to do it to Julian, even though he's, he's you know, exists only on paper. Well, um, I think the way you had where a lot of it was, it was in Julian's head, but we're seeing Elias and Nisha and Isaac's reactions. Mm-hmm. I think that makes it visceral without making it so like so close to the bone because you're, yeah. you're, you're feeling it through Julian and then you're seeing them react. And I think it worked really well because their reactions elicited that horror without actually having to get into the horror. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was a lot of writing a little bit and 
correcting things and removing things and adding things and just tinkering with the words and how how feelings were going to unfold it it took it took a it took me a while i mean it wasn't something that i just sat down and did it at one time i would sit down and write a little bit and then i'd go back over it, it i spent a long time on it just you know working through and making sure that all the words were right you know it just it was a lot it was it was just took time and being very careful and i think i think it also helps that the the I've been sort of revealing little bits of things as the, the book was going on. So it wasn't such a big shock to the, it wasn't so much of a shock to the readers as it is to the characters, I think. Cause the character, yeah, cause the guys the readers, had no idea. The reader yeah, knew, yeah. but the guys didn't. Yeah. The readers knew more than, than Isaac and, and Nisha and Elias and Nisha and Elias. I mean, in scoreless game, they're still kind of, beating themselves up a little bit especially well, a lot they're beating themselves up a lot it, it about comes up a lot uh, that they... about not you know not noticing what had happened but yeah it was a hard scene <laughs> i just say I, I don't know it was it was a it was a hard scene to write and reviewing the um, audio of it was was hard too yeah, yeah that i'm not quite sure how michael did that you know in terms of well i've put him through enough hell that i think he's yeah but it was just yeah that yeah, was that was a hard one he really nailed it. I mean, we we got to give props to Michael Fiorello for his performance throughout the whole book, because oh, yeah. he had to he had to work up to that and then do that and then you know come out on the other side of it as as the voice performer. And he yeah, was we just knew two chapters in that we were going to hire him to do it. I mean, I, he does most of my books anyway. But I it, it, early on we were saying that this is a Michael book. It has to be, you know, not just because there's accents all over the place, but because it was really getting close to the bone with a lot of emotional stuff. And and that's just, that's something he's really good at. Yeah. He absolutely just was so perfect there. Like he's always perfect, but I think this is like one of my all time favorites of his performances. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's currently recording his 50th book for me. And I think rookie mistake is, is of my, t I, I have two favorites and rookie mistake is one of them. What's the other one? We, we we should all know. So if we haven't heard it, we should go get it. The Venetian and the Rum Runner, which is also 800 hours long. So. <laughs> <laughs> that one was 144,000 words. So yeah. Yeah. We, Ooh, the, the audio for a scoreless game will probably be out later than it yeah. was for Rookie Mistake, just because it's it costs a lot to pay an, a voice performer to do that many that hours. Be 20 hours probably. Oh. No. Yeah. And I will happily wait for Michael to do it because I will need him to read this to me because his accent work for Nisha and Elias, I just love it. Oh, yeah. And and it'll be, you know, it's first person with both of them. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't include there's like maybe a few words of foreign language this time. So it's not like like with a rookie mistake where there was a lot of Quebecois French. We decided we weren't going to try to mix russian and swedish and all that well especially because with russian like you have to transliterate it to to the english alphabet and it just doesn't work very well and swedish is really hard to pronounce and and speaking of the french in rookie mistake a big shout out to bay deckard who we sent him the manuscript with all the french flagged and he adjusted the phrasing and made sure that like the swearing was accurate and the phrasing like this is how a quebecois would say this and he, and he this did is, a great job on it yeah and this is how a young quebecois person would say it as opposed right. to like your grandpa because there were a couple things in there that was like he'd never you know somebody who's in their 20s would never say this somebody who's 28 would never say this and we give yeah. gave us other phrases to use what's a favorite scene for you both from rookie mistake can you we were talking one out about of this the... beforehand because we were having a hard time pinning it down i mean for me the the one we were talking about that really to the bone visceral one is a favorite because it's just so because it's so hard but i if i had to pick one probably either the thanksgiving scene or when they come out publicly yeah i i actually really like the epilogue because you you sort of see who julian can become you know who he's becoming after all this you know you yeah. but you see the support with his family but and with Isaac but you also sort of see that he's he's taken on some agency of his own now if i've done my research right Lori's had a few collaborations we know that but anna it looks like this is your first it is yeah what it made is. this the right time to do um, a co-write well it's the first one that actually came to fruition i guess like i said we we tried 
writing before, but even before that, I actually started long is a long time ago. I actually started writing, co-writing a book with Jessica Freely, who unfortunately has since passed away. They passed away earlier this year. And that never just never happened. It it was it was sort of a space opera, wacky space opera type that we got about, I don't know, a third into it. And then we both our our lives both kind of went other directions. So I I like Yeah. I like the idea of co-writing but it just it I guess the timing just never worked out until this was just the right time and I think it really helps probably not so much on Lori's end but I think it really helps me to have the person like physically in the same location as me I think it helps because then it, it's because well, we see each other. We can talk about things in person. Yeah, I think like, I like need... Kari Z and I, we we Skype at the beginning of every book, and sometimes like halfway through, we'll Skype just to touch base on things. But we really only see each other or communicate that way on Skype. Otherwise, it's all via email. For anime, I think we work better if we can sit and talk about things mm-hmm. and talk through them. Yeah, and we would do writing day like we're. we're you know, after this, we'll probably write a little bit. We're working on separate stuff now, but we do writing days together. We both, you know, maybe Lori would be working on something different, but I'd be working on Rookie Mistake. And, you know, it would sort of, I'd pause and say, oh, this is happening. What do you think? Kind of thing. So it really did help me to have the same location. Yeah. And there were times like both the trips to Columbus and Detroit for games, we spent the entire drive both times hashing out scoreless game we were still writing rookie mistake but we were hashing out scoreless game discussing kind of what our thoughts were on it where we thought it might go what might happen so by the time we sat down to write that one we'd we'd spent hours and hours and hours talking about what we thought was going to happen yeah i mean it still didn't quite go the way we had originally intended in some ways but but you know (laughs) but it eventually you know but, but a lot of the groundwork was laid by actually talking in person for what we were doing i think this worked really well so on behalf of everybody who has loved rookie mistake thank you laurie and eddie for moving to pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> and and for dragging me to a hockey game back in 2018 when i was like i'm not gonna write hockey romances yeah. not only are you writing you hockey romances you're writing ginormous hockey romances yeah. i think i've written like 15 now something like that yeah. Yeah. and season ticket holder and yeah sort of you know I, hey, well, I just, I, I, I did not make you drink the water. I just took you to the stream. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, my living room has two walls that are completely covered <laughs> in hockey stuff now. Nice. I have there, there's one wall that's nothing but autographed photos. Another one that's got the paintings, and then I have like ten hockey sticks leaning against the corner of the wall. And like, well, you can kind of see a little bit of you know back back here. As this is actually a penguin season ticket holder flag. That's you can sort of see that. And then I've got my little my little stickers of guys here. And then if I go this way, there's my yeah. Latang Pride jersey hanging on the door there. And they, um, they got me Latang's Pride jersey from last year for Christmas last year. And I think we we have our we have our bedroom has hockey jerseys, signed jerseys on, on all the walls, and we've now had to start spilling out into the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we are apparently a hockey house now and it's Anne's fault. Yeah. So what does the future hold for the On the Board series? There's been a little hint in a book three. Is this a trilogy or possibly more? More. <laughs> more. more, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we knew halfway through Rookie Mistake that there would be a sequel. And by the time we were done with Scoreless Game, we, had, we have ideas for three more right mm-hmm. now. Whether or not those all happen or whether or not they're the only ones, it's, it's impossible to say or when. We don't know. But- there will at least the next one definitely. Yeah, de- definitely the next one. Again, not quite exactly sure when that'll happen, depending on because I, I really should finish something of my own, and put it out. I try not to monopolize all of Anne's time. Yeah, and and the thing is, I because I I, I do have I do have a full time job, in addition to writing, so that takes you know that's the majority of my days are are with a job that keeps the roof over my head and the cats in kibble especially the new very large cat surprisingly the thing that one of the things that surprised me about the co-writing is just actually how fast it moves because it does 
seem to go a lot. I mean, well, one, you're only writing half a book each. Even With though us, that's the length of an entire book. The length of a full novel. Yeah. Okay. But it's, there's something about writing a scene and then finishing it and like sending it out to somebody. And it's like, and then it comes back and there's more stuff. It's like, there's a new thing you can, you know, you get to read what happens next and you didn't actually have to think about it yourself. So I think once we pull the trigger, it won't take that long to write. Yeah. I'm probably going to write my first chapter in the next book fairly soon, just because it won't shut up. So, cause my character is very in my ear. Yeah. I've been I've been wanting to write that character since book one. So yeah. okay, so, yeah. So the first, the first, one of the main, one of the love interests is from book one, and the other love interest is from, from book two. We'll meet in book two. Excellent. We love to get book recs. What have e- both of you read recently that our listeners should be picking up? I've been catching up on the Psychop books because I I got behind on those. So that's my my go to binge series. I haven't been reading as much this for some reason reading's been really hard for me this past year. I just I don't know why. I guess everybody goes through the sort of the this the swings of of things. But I did read the first two books in Layla Rain's new series, Perfect Play. Bad Bishop is the second one. The first one is I don't remember what the first one is now. The cowboy on the cover, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like is the name of the book but yeah no i love i love layla's stuff in general I'll always i will jump at any chance to read what she's written so i guess the other one that i read that i really liked which just came out a while ago too is cat sebastian's tommy calbert was here i really enjoyed that it's it's more you know she's known for more of her historical this is a little it's still kind of historical but it's more modern because i think mm-hmm. it's it's you know, but I really just enjoyed it. It's actually a good, it's actually a good book for um, the winter, I would think, picking it up around winter, because I think it's set around, there's some scenes that are set around Thanksgiving and in, in the winter months. So it's kind of a holiday read, although it's not, I don't think it's positioned to be a holiday read. It's winter solstice Weather. reading. Yeah. <laughs> so besides Scrollless Game in 2023, what can you two share about what else is coming up for you in the new year? I've got Kari Z and I are releasing our fourth book in the Hitman versus Hitman series, you know, the standalone Hitman versus Hitman. And we're writing the fifth book, which should be the last one, but I make no promises. And I'm starting a new series, contemporary series. It'll probably be out later this year. And I'm working on another hockey book right now that deals with addiction and all kinds of drama and chaos from their past. So... That one, I'm hoping to have that one out this spring. That'll be Brick Walls. Well, you also have the uh, Valentine's story. Oh, yeah. I have a Valentine's Day story called Two Dead Fish Named Kevin. And that comes out on the 14th. And Michael Ferriolo is working on the on the audiobook right now. So it should be out in time. I'm currently working on... It doesn't have a title yet. I haven't decided what it's going to be called yet. But it's a... It's, it's a it'll be a, it definitely will be a shorter book. And it's, it's a paranormal... Famous last words. Yeah, no, this one I think because it, it 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 it's framed by time. There's only so much you can stick in when you do that. But it's it's sort of a paranormal kind of faded mate book that it's set here in in the Pittsburgh area. It's um fictitious town on the Ohio River, kind of like Swickley, but not. And if you know the area, you know Swickley. And it's it's between a crow shifter and a sort of half-human, half-fae character who hunts the dead. And they've known each other from, from childhood, and it's sort of one goes away for a while and comes back. And it's sort of the ramifications of him coming back and taking on the mantle of his family. And the, the crow shifter is part of his family, owns a jewelry store in town. And it's just sort of this getting back to know each other and both of them sort of knowing that there's a bond between them and one of them just not having any of it, <laughs> not wanting to be part of this thing. So I haven't quite, it's a little darker than some of my other things. Cause it does, you know, it does deal with, you know, the undead in some ways, despite, you know, the, the being a lot of world building, it should actually be not that long. I just need to finish it. It's about halfway done. Excellent. Things to look forward to in 2023. So how can everybody keep up with you online so they know when everything's going to come out? Everything is on my website, which is gallagherwit.com. 
And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter as Gallagher Wit, or you can join the Gallagher Wit Gaggle on Facebook. Yeah, it's similar with me. I do have a website. I don't I keep it up to date though. The the blog part kind of falls to the wayside. I am mostly on Twitter and Instagram as well. It's Amergina. I do have a hockey Twitter as well, which I tend to be on more right now because there's a lot more hockey going on. Yeah, I have a hockey Twitter too. It's wit hockey, but I don't I only tweet there usually during games. So live tweeting can be fun. Now that I know that that's there, I'll be checking you out there when I know you're at games. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> it's it's hard because it's a long my my hockey Twitter is as Amer Penguina, I think, which is hard to spell. But it it's I tend to I tend to hang out. You know, my regular Twitter, my normal Twitter, there's a lot on there. I've followed a lot more people on there. So my it I it I need to like curate my list basically because it seems like there's I, i'll get on there and there's a lot of politics and that just depresses me but i just it's kind of the same way my regular twitter is basically half writing stuff and half politics because i i do tweet a lot politically but my my instagram and my hockey twitter are not political at all there's no politics on any of those so those are my the, the hockey twitter is just hockey nothing else and then the instagram is basically my cats my paintings and hockey and some and books because you post your books books yeah yeah and i post my books on on my instagram teasers and things like that i'm also on facebook i do have a facebook group we we should do some teasers for scoreless game after we get edits just to yeah well i did appetite a little i think on twitter i do have a few teasers little clips of things well we had the we had one teaser and, and there was bookmarks at grl and the quote on it is just that beautiful blue-eyed jackass of my dreams. And there were so many people going, okay, but which one was saying it? Was it Elias saying it about Anisha or the other way around? And we're like, guess you'll have to find out. Oh, that's part of the fun. That's why it's a teaser. Because yeah. <laughs> they are both beautiful blue-eyed jackasses. So. It's true. It's true. And and they do a lot of, oh God, those boys. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to link to everything in the show notes that we've talked about, which is awesome. And Anna and Lori, I'm so glad you both came and hung out and talked about these wonderful books. Can't wait to read the new one. And Happy New Year to you both. Have a great 2023. Thank you. You too. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the conversation for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at biggatefictionpodcast.com. The show notes page has links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. Thanks again to Anna and Lori for joining us. I love so much how Anna dragged Lori to a hockey game in 2018, and that led Lori to writing more than a dozen hockey romances now, and to the collaboration on Rookie Mistake. And now that I've heard about that sequel, mm, Scoreless Game will not get here fast enough, especially in audio. All right, I think that'll do it for now. Coming up next on Monday, January 16th, Julian Winters is back with us to talk about his new YA novel. Julian and I had so much fun when he co-hosted our favorite YA books of 2022 episode. We talked so long. So guess what? I saved part of the conversation since his new book, As You Walk On By, actually comes out on January 17th. We're going to talk about that book as well as our love of the comic series, Superman, Son of Kal-El. On behalf of Jeff and myself, we want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you'll join us again soon for more discussions about the kinds of stories we all love, the big gay fiction kind. Until then, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Original theme music by Daryl Banner. 